Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yes, Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated DFS app and sportsbook app. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Those of you that check us out on YouTube, youtube.com. Slash Ross Tucker NFL. Obviously, you can see the helmets and the game balls. Much to my surprise, by the way, my dad's 5'9", a buck 70. I played seven years in the NFL as an offensive lineman. It was an awesome temp job in my 20s. Now I got a bunch of podcasts, all of which are 30 minutes of on-demand audio. We've got seven for you in the offseason, nine in the regular season, which means... Monday through Sunday, every day, we've got 30 minutes of on-demand audio. This show, the College Draft Podcast, is all about exactly like it sounds. It's about the NFL Draft. It's about college football players, college football prospects. And we even pick games against the spread during the college football season. And, of course, by we, I primarily mean he, Emery Hunt, of football game plan fame. Make sure you check him out on social at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on social media, and we are at Ross Tucker Pod. If you ever just want to check out the highlight clips of some of the other shows, and I still don't look, maybe people are shaking their head, they don't agree. I think football game plan dot com slash 2021 draft guide is actually an awesome thing to purchase now because now you know where all these guys are and he's got every undrafted free agent in there and you're on the beach this summer you're by the lake pull out your ipad or you can print it out like emory does it's like 900 pages it's bigger than the bible whatever you want to do i don't care the point is is it is awesome summer reading If you really love the sport, you really love the draft, you really love the NFL, it is awesome summer beach reading. Emery, uh, so fired up for our next series. I personally believe that we don't spend enough time actually talking about the draft and the team's drafts. You know, we spend months leading up to it, and a lot of times after the draft, Emery, people do one show and that's it. 
that's not nearly enough to really go through what these teams did, what we liked, what we didn't like, and how their how their teams changed. Right, and I feel like a, a lot of people don't include the undrafted free agents as a part of the draft class. That's why my draft grades usually come out after rookie minicamp. So now we know the rookie trial guys that made the team, and you kind of include those undrafted rookies with the draft class because a lot of times teams use the undrafted area or the eighth round, as we like to call it, as an extension of the draft. They use it as a part of uh, how they're going to attack the draft through the seven rounds. So, And we know the league is basically comprised half of undrafted free agents. So why not include that? You're right. People don't talk about the draft enough. And so I, I don't care if people try to knock draft grades. I'm always put draft grades out, and I'm always do them in my way because it helps inform the fan base of what's on the roster and how well their team did. Today we're going to do the AFC East. So the next eight weeks, right? So it's May and June. We're going to dive into every team's draft, including your team, including the other teams in your team's division, and just go over what we liked, what we didn't like, what they did. What did they actually do? How is their team better? And then in July and August, we get you prepped for the next college football season. And before you know it, We are picking games against the spread and breaking down the biggest prospects in the biggest college football matchups. Let's start today, Emery, with the AFC East. And let's start with the Buffalo Bills. They won the division. I'm really just going alphabetical order, but whatever. So (laughs) what I think is really interesting about their draft, Emery, some people have a problem when teams do this. I do not. Their first four picks, they almost like paired these guys up. I mean, first round pick was Greg Rousseau from Miami at the end. Second round pick, Boogie Basham from Wake Forest at the end. Then the third round pick, Spencer Brown, a 6'8 athletic developmental tackle from Northern Iowa. Round five, Tommy Doyle, a 6'8 athletic developmental tackle from Miami, Ohio. So they kind of doubled up on those two spots. We'll get to the other guys as well. Marquez Stevenson can roll. I saw DeMar Hamlin in high school. He's, I, I like DeMar Hamlin. Rashad Wild Goose from Wisconsin. Jack Anderson, the guard from Tech. What did you think about, we'll start with their first couple picks, Emery. Greg Rousseau from Miami and Boogie Basham from Wake. You know, it's excellent what they did because you want to double down on certain positions that normally on game day are very thin. Offensive line, defensive line, and pass rushers. And we know Russo probably has more room to go in terms of being a day one impact guy. You know, he has some technical issues that he has to work out, but the upside is there. Boogie Bashman should be a plug-and-play guy because he's quick off the ball. He's active with his hands. So I like how they paired both of those guys in, in conjunction with last year's pick, uh, A.J. Epinesa. So they got younger and versatile on that defensive line. Some people think Russo can rush from the inside, so it adds that versatility. I know Basham can do that, um, and Epinesa also can do that as well. So I like the two-year plan they had with their their picks. And then you talk about those two you know, oak trees they have out there, and uh, those two rookies, Doyle and Brown. Man, and when you watch Doyle play for a guy that's like, 6'15", he gives good knee bend. He doesn't play tall. And Brown played really well at the Senior Bowl, too. 
in conjunction to what he did at Northern Iowa. So love the the, the process, the thought process, getting younger, uh, getting guys that they can develop. That shows they trust their coaching staff to develop these guys moving forward, where some teams want ready-made guys. The Bills have taken the approach, okay, we can get guys that are talented, but also we can develop because we've done a good job of developing our rookies in previous drafts. Right, and like out of Spencer Brown and Doyle, the odds are only one of them's going to pan out. Right, right. Like, like if you did the if you did the math on it, it's probably a 50-50 chance that each guy pans out. Well, if you get two of them, you're going to get one young developmental tackle that ends up being a starter for you, probably. So, I like that. You know, Rousseau has a really, really high ceiling, but probably a pretty low floor, just given how raw he is and all that stuff. Boogie Basham, I feel like, is the opposite. Not nearly as high of a ceiling, but a really high floor. Like, I feel like you already know what you can get. Rousseau might need a year to develop. Basham's a four, maybe even a five-year player at Wake. He's powerful. He's ready to go. Like, he's ready to help them this year. So I liked how they doubled up there. Then you get to Stevenson and Hamlin. I'm just telling you, two six-round picks. I've called games for both these guys. Hamlin in high school and Stevenson two games when he was at Houston with the Eric King a couple years ago. Stevenson is fast, fast. I don't know what his 40 time was, but in games played Oklahoma and, and, and Washington State, and he was fast. Then, as far as DeMar Hamlin is concerned, he played corner in high school, was a really good cover corner in high school, so he has those skills, Emery. What did you think of those two guys? I love those picks, man, because Stevenson was another one of these players where I was shocked to see his actual height and weight because I thought he was a bigger receiver with how well he attacked the football. I, I said this back when De'Ara King was quarterback in Houston. It's like, man, this dude, Stevenson, has that same type of dog mentality when the ball's in the air like Des Bryant has. And come to find out he's 5'10", 190, so he's a slot receiver that can run, like you mentioned. Hamlin could have came out last year, decided to go back to Pitt. And you can always sell me on a Pitt defensive back, just like you could sell me on a San Diego State defensive back or a Washington defensive back, sight unseen. If you tell me, hey, man, they got this guy out of San Diego State, cool, draft him. I don't care. I know it's going to be good because both of these, these, all these programs that I mentioned, those three, do a great job of developing defensive backs and it's just excellent they got those two picks to close out the draft. So they, I thought they did a good job from top to bottom. Last two picks, Rashad Wild Goose, Wisconsin, Jack Anderson, Texas Tech. I don't know a lot about those guys. How about you? Anderson um, is a guy that, you know, is a left tackle at Texas Tech. Some people probably see him as a guard. I see him as a tackle. Um, Wild Goose, athleticism is there, you know, coming from Wisconsin, their strength and conditioning program. But, you know, you look at two undrafted free agents, um, again, Tariq Thompson, San Diego State, made so many plays for the Aztecs on the back end. So, again, sight unseen. I already know this dude can play. He had a, he had a really good grade from me uh, in, a, in a draft guy. And another guy that I was really high on that went undrafted that ends up in Buffalo, Elijah Griffin out of USC. Uh, Athletic can play across the secondary, you know, any one of the cornerback spots. And that's, oh, by the way, Warren G's son. So big fan of, of Griffin and what he brings to the table. I didn't know that. It's amazing how old we are, man. Like, that's Warren. Regulators! <laughs> exactly. Count up. That is awesome. That's awesome. All right, let's get to the Miami Dolphins, okay? 
With the sixth pick, they took Jalen Waddle. With the 18th pick, they took Jalen Phillips. Then in round two, Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon, followed by Liam Eichenberg, the tackle from Notre Dame. Round three, they got Hunter Long, the tight end from Brian Flores, alma mater of Boston College. And then two seventh-round picks. They got Lamel Coleman from UMass and Jared Oaks, the running back from Cincinnati. Let's start with round one, Emery. Jalen Waddle, a wide receiver from Alabama at six, and Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher from Miami at 18. From from my perspective, those are two home runs because they got my number one flanker or Z receiver in uh, Jalen Waddle, and they got my number one 4-3 defensive end in Jalen Phillips. So to me, they knocked those two picks out the park. But on the football field, they instantly help out Miami. They get more explosive on a perimeter, and they get someone that can truly rush the passer off the edge, and that's what Phillips brings to the table. I think he's probably one of the more, uh, quote-unquote, pro-ready edge rushes or defensive ends because he plays the run equally as well as he plays the pass. And Wado, with the chemistry with Tua Tagovailoa already, and his ability to legitimately score on any play just helps explode the offensive potential in, in Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because – both these guys super talented, right? Uh, Waddle is just lightning in a bottle. And I'm curious how many slants, how many run after catch stuff they can get him. Phillips, I've told the story before. He is just an incredible, incredible prospect coming out of high school. You know, there's concerns there about concussions. He actually quit football at one point. You know, I think that there's some other off the field concerns there. Uh, but obviously Miami, they, you know, he was in Miami for the past year. They're comfortable with it. I wanted to get your thoughts on their second-round picks. The 36th pick in the draft, pretty high. You're usually getting a first-round talent there. They took Javon Howell in the safety from Oregon. Tell me about him. Instinct. So if you want to find where the ball is, just find where Holland is because he's always around the ball. Um, he, he is someone that does a good job of just sniffing out uh, route concepts. So he's always finding a, a way to get himself in position to make a play. So it's an instinctual, uh, instinctful player uh, that does a great job in, in taking uh, what you call um, aggressive angles, but controlled aggressive angles because he's not going to be out of position where he blows an assignment or blows a tackle. He's going to make the play. So he keeps you honest on the back end, keeps you in a good position, and he can turn the ball over. So I think that's awesome. And I think when you add him in, and you look at them releasing uh, Bobby McCain, it kind of makes sense because they went out and grabbed someone um, younger, a little bit more athletic, and someone that can definitely uh, help replicate what they got from McCain uh, for all those years. So I was a fan of Eichenberg. Uh, You know, it's been like since 2010, since a guy that played left tackle at Notre Dame didn't go in the first round. So I guess Eichenberg being the 42nd pick ruined the streak. Still pretty good to be the 42nd pick in the NFL draft. They had Ronnie Stanley and McGlinchey and Zach Martin. They had had a run there with everybody that played left tackle going in round one for them. I just think Eichenberg, I feel like with a Notre Dame offensive lineman, you kind of know what you're getting there. Uh, Solid. Maybe not quite as athletic as some of the other guys. Maybe still needs a little bit of technique work. But I just feel like that's a guy that is going to be solid and reliable 
you know, for 10 years for Miami at one of the tackle spots. I agree. Uh, he was my number two tackle. Uh, so I had a, a pretty high grade on him because of all those things you mentioned. And when you watched him play, it was just like, man, this dude is, is like he doesn't give up, you know, sacks, doesn't give up pressures in a run game. Uh, he does a great job. And it's, again, like you talked about, he's another one of these plug-and-play guys up front where whether some people want him inside as a guard, you know, I just want him on my offensive line because he's so doggone good. What about Hunter Long from BC? He was my number two inline tight end. So I had Pat Fryermuth number one, and Hunter Long was number two. There was a big gap because Fryermuth is a little bit more dynamic than Long, but Long is probably the better blocker out of the inline tight end group. Uh, so now you get someone that's stable on the on a line of scrimmage, that's solid as a receiver. So he's dependable. He's not flashy. He's just he's a, a you know a reliable, dependable guy. But it helps takes uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off of Jasicki, who now can be that move flex guy that you can put in a one on one situation and, and get vertical with him. So it gives you two good tight ends. So I thought that was a solid, uh, um, really well thought out pick by Miami. The last two picks, uh, Coleman from UMass. I did uh, a couple of his games. He uh, he's got really long arms and really good feet. And then Dokes, a running back from Cincinnati, Emory. You're up, right up your alley. Yeah, and he's a powerful one cut downhill runner. That's where I thought Miami kind of missed because um, I already had them getting a running back in the first round. And then when I saw Michael Carter fall out of the first round, I was like, oh, they can literally get have their cake and eat it too. But they bypass the position until round seven. So I don't know how much of an impact Dokes can make. But Coleman, athletically, he matches up with all these NFL defensive ends that he'll face, and he's another one of these long-term projects that they that they got. But they also signed as an undrafted free agent Robert Jones out of Middle Tennessee State. I don't know if you saw the viral clip from the Senior Bowl, but he was the one that was putting Shaka Tony into the ground um, in one-on-ones. And Robert Jones's film is as aggressive as that rep was down in Mobile. So that's an underrated undrafted rookie free agent that signed uh, 6'4", 330, that played right tackle at Middle Tennessee State, but probably is going to be a guard uh, inside as a pro. Yeah, I was a little surprised he didn't get drafted. By the way, speaking of getting after people, UFC 262. You got guys like Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Get on it. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of UFC. Heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight, 100 to 1 odds. Wow. One fighter walks away with the belt. Hopefully you can walk away with the cash. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code ROSS to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's get Emery to the New England Patriots. Their first two picks, both from Alabama, they had a bunch of picks. They went Mac Jones in the first round, Christian Barmore in the second, the D-tackle from Alabama, Ronnie Perkins, edge rusher from Oklahoma in round three, Ramondre Stevenson, the big back from Oklahoma in round four. Round five was Cameron McGrone, the linebacker from Michigan, round six. 
Joshua Bledsoe, a safety from Missouri. And then round six, Will Sherman, tackle from Colorado. Round seven, Trey Nixon, wide receiver, UCF. Let's start with the first two, Emery. Two Alabama guys. Mac Jones falls to them. They didn't go up to get him. They sat there and they got him at 15. And then Barmore in round two. Mac Jones instantly upgrades their QB2 spot with potential to be their QB1 down the line uh, if they move on from from Cam Newton, which seems to be evident because you took a quarterback in the first round, something he hasn't done since he's been in New England. Uh, So, you know, Mac Jones is going to be their heir apparent uh, in 2022 with with Cam Newton probably moving on from New England. But it's interesting because he's a a distributor. He's a point-and-shoot guy. I compared his game to Matt Hasselbeck. He's even compared to Jimmy Garoppolo um, in in the draft guide. So I I like the pick. I probably wouldn't have taken him in the first round. He's more of a second-round type talent. But with the way quarterbacks went off the board, you kind of have to boost those guys up around because if you don't, someone else will grab them. So you kind of have to take them when you can. And Barmore, um, you know, so talented, but you want to see the consistency get better. You know, and we know Nick Saban – in the Patriots, they love – I'm sorry, uh, uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they love Nick Saban players. They also love Colorado offensive linemen. They also love players from Michigan. So they have a type, and they went with that with one type in the first two rounds. The next two guys were the two Oklahoma guys, Perkins off the edge and Ramondre Stevenson, the running back from Oklahoma. Stevenson gives them uh, what they had in LeGarrette Blunt. You know, big back with quick feet. So he's going to be another one of these, you know, uh, four-minute offense guys. Uh, and I thought he got better this year. I like his tape. He's, he has a little bit more footwork uh, than Deonta Foreman had when he was coming out of Texas. And Perkins was my number two edge rusher. He's a strong point-of-attack player. Like, a, he's a power rusher. You see him, you know, walk Tevin Jenkins back into the quarterback numerous times uh, in the Oklahoma State game. So I like that pick as well because it gives him someone – that you know can pressure the quarterback uh, with a little bit of power. So I I do think they nailed those two picks. Depth with with Stevenson and gives them a type that they've had before, and Perkins does give them some sort of pass rushing presence coming off the edge. What do you have, Emery, on McGrone, Bledsoe, Sherman, Nixon? I like Bledsoe uh, out of Missouri. Uh, Bledsoe can can really, um, you know, he's a, he's a, a good alley player. So I thought that's a good uh, that was a good pick for um, New England. You look at McGrone, he had he's he has fun tape to watch. He's going to be a, a day one core special teamer because his angles and aggressiveness and explosiveness to the ball carrier is crazy. You could just see him as as those old school wedge busters on special teams. Uh, and I was a big fan of Will Sherman. He's long, he's athletic, he got stretch Armstrong like length. And, you know, this is a guy that I thought was a sleeper coming from a P5 program. And, you you know, the Patriots just, again, hammer home these Colorado tackles that are long. Nate Solder was the last one that they drafted, and now they got one in Will Sherman, who I think should do a good job in making the team. Anything jump out to you on the undrafted guys? I don't know how many they've even signed. Some of these teams are really hesitant. They're waiting to hear about training camp roster limits. Right, and so they didn't really sign any um yet so that's going to be interesting and you know so that's why we kind of you kind of want to wait till uh rookie mini camps happen which all are on along the same weekend uh so some teams have made their signs 
public already. Some teams are still waiting to see. Uh, so, yeah, New England doesn't have any on record so far. Let's get to the Jets because they had a lot of picks. I'm not even going to read through them all. Let's just start to discuss them. The two guys they got in round one, Emery, Zach Wilson, the quarterback, BYU. We've talked about him quite a bit. And Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC. I guess the questions there are, how ready do you think Wilson is to play right away, which appears to be what's going to happen there? And they moved up for Vera Tucker. You know, they could have sat there at 23 and gotten a Darisau or somebody. They, I mean, or a lot of these guys, they must have really liked Vera Tucker to move up to get him. Yeah, he was my number three guard, and Wilson was my number three quarterback. Both had grades over 84. Uh, so I really thought highly of them as prospects, and they're plug-and-play guys. You know, the question is whether or not Vera Tucker, some see him as a tackle. I graded him as a guard. Either way, he's going to be an impact player, just like Wilson is. Wilson, by default, is going to be their starter, judging by their depth chart. But also, uh, Wilson can play, man. I, like I've had this discussion before, you know, I had Justin Fields as my number two quarterback, but he had an 85 grade and Wilson had an 83. So I didn't see them as that far apart as term, in terms of prospects is concerned. You just hope that Wilson can stay healthy for a full season. And with the way the Jets have built this offensive lineup, is going to resemble what they did uh, at BYU because we're going to talk about an undrafted guy that I was really high on that ended up on the Jets roster as well. So knock that out the park with those two first-round picks. I think you're going to really like the Jets' next two picks, but I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, with the second pick in round two, they got Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, and then in round four, they took your boy Michael Carter, the running back from UNC. Love those picks, Ross, as you know me so well. Um, Moore, this dude, and I've said this before, he, he is like the ideal third down back. Like you put him in the backfield and hand him the football. This dude is a natural runner like a running back is with the football in his hands. But he's going to be tremendous. It, it kind of spells the end for uh, Jameson Crowder because they're going to play the same position. And he's kind of a younger, more dynamic version of Jameson Crowder. And I like Crowder. And he did so much with the Jets. Kind of want them to keep both of them. Uh, but Moore is so tremendous. And Carter, to me, is their best back on the roster. So he should start. When you combine the vision what this run game will look like with that outside zone scheme and his ability to make guys miss, there's going to be a lot of big plays in the run game for Carter because you also have to account for Zach Wilson. He's not no scrub back there. He's a plus one in the run game as well. So I like what they've built offensively so far with those skill players, uh, Wilson, Moore, and Carter, along with the offensive lineman and Vera Tucker. So, um, Let's get to their next picks. They had three in round five. Jamie and Sherwood, a safety from Auburn. Another Michael Carter, a cornerback from Duke. And Jason Pinnock, a cornerback from Pitt. Pitt, sight unseen, already sold on him. And Pinnock was was, was one guy that I had as an underrated player. I had a, a really good grade on. He was my number six uh, cornerback. I want to say boundary corner. I love his press skills, love his athleticism, and he could play the ball. And they needed cornerback help out there on the perimeter. Sherwood was someone whose tape was surprising. And I was putting in my notes, like, man, I was just impressed with how well and consistent he played as a safety. They may even see him as a nickelbacker because Auburn kind of had him play closer to the line of scrimmage too. And so he was good in the short to intermediate area of the field. 
and did a great job in, in stopping the you know the run. Um, but also the fact that that they were able to find these guys in the fifth round and you know and find guys that can help out a secondary that was kind of a, a liability last year, and they got it with got them with solid you know got solid players with with picks that were later says a lot about the depth of the draft that we just saw. Their last three picks, Hamza Nazruddin, the safety from Florida State, Brandon Eccles, cornerback, Kentucky. Gosh, they took a lot of DBs. They, I mean, that is unbelievable. They drafted one, two, three, four, five. They drafted five DBs in a row, dude. Yeah. Five D- I've never seen that before. Five DBs in a row. Brandon Eccles from Kentucky and then a D tackle, Jonathan Marshall from Arkansas. What do you have on their last three picks? I know the safety from Florida State was really highly recruited. Yeah, he's a he's a versatile guy. So some see him as that new age nickel linebacker, kind of like what they have in, in Sherwood. So he's going to be a, a, an excellent player for them uh, because, he, right, he was a highly taught recruit. Um, Eccles is a slot corner that is feisty. So he's going to be your day one gunner, day one core special teamer and compete with, you know, Gidry, who I liked last year, that they got as an undrafted free agent out of Utah uh, for the for that nickel job. And um, you look at Marshall, rotational piece up front. Um, he'll complete, compete with Tanzil Smart. Uh, so he's probably more of a practice squad candidate than anything. But you look at the undrafted free agent market, they signed Tristan Hodge, who was my number two guard out of BYU. That is just phenomenal value. He, had, he got COVID this year. So that's probably what kept him out of the draft. But, man, you talk about adding Vera Tucker and now Hodge, who was a former Notre Dame guy, on that offensive line. And the Jets look legitimately good and talented on paper. I was impressed across the board with their draft. Check him out on social media, at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, we got 1,000 views for Monday's show, Emery, which is good. You know, we only started the the YouTube stuff last summer. So a thousand views for last week's show with your draft reactions, which is awesome. Keep them coming. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Football game plan.com slash 2021 draft guide. I still think I said it earlier, I'll say it again. There's value in getting it. What a great read over the summer. Other than that. The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.